Hey everybody, Tom Salami here of Device Talks. Welcome back to Device Talks Weekly Podcast. A little later in the podcast, I'm going to share an interview I did with Britt Milby Jensen. She is the CEO of Ambu, which is the world's leading supplier of single-use scopes. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about her career path and many other things. Before we get into that great conversation, I chatted with my colleagues, Sean Hooley, who's associate editor of Mass Device, and of course, the great Chris Newmarker, executive editor of Mass Device. It's earnings week. Uh, We didn't focus a lot on numbers or specific reports, but really just trying to capture a tone of earnings, uh, of how companies are being impacted by earnings reports and how investors are responding. So we'll uh, we'll cover all of that in our newsmakers section. But before we begin this podcast episode, I want to remind you that Device Talks West is happening on October 18th and 19th at the Santa Clara Convention Center. Our early bird rate is on. You can attend this great event two days of content, of programming, of insightful instruction, of case studies, of discussions, of panels, of networking, cocktails, friendships to be, all for $3.95. You can get in on our early bird rate. So make sure you do that. Do not wait. Go to devicetalks.com to register. All right, that's it. Let us get this podcast started. Oh, and one more thing. Uh, We're not going to put out a podcast next week because I'll be off. I'm going to be dropping my oldest son off at Purdue, and uh, it's going to be quite the week. Yeah. So uh, no podcast, but we'll be back in two weeks. Thanks. All right. You ready for this? Ready. Chris Newmarker, how are you, sir? Good to be here, Tom. Good to be back. Who's that with you? I see somebody there with you, Chris Newmarker. It's kind of a bit of a silhouette, but you know, he's got that <laughs> a little bit of a light behind him. But yeah, I think I think you know what? I think that's Sean Hooley. Yeah, here. we need to get Sean a ring light or something like that. Yeah. 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 I know. Poor Sean. I just I'm moving in a month, so we'll see how the lighting is in the new place. I'm sorry. Yeah. If I wasn't in this room, you'd be hearing power saws in the background. So <laughs> oh. Take, yeah. take what you can get. Are you moving from one basement to another, or are you? Uh... <laughs> no, uh, third third floor. Moving there on you up. There Early, so nice. Third floor of three. Yes. Oh boy! Fantastic. I grew up in a triple decker, and third floor people are always a little, a little, a little kooky. I gotta say. So you'll fit uh, right I'd in. I'd imagine basement people are too. So maybe I'm. <laughs> That's a really good point. Go. Yeah, we did not have basement people. To be a good neighbor, you're planning like uh, every morning at six, you're going to do about like 200 jumping jacks, probably. Like, yeah, yeah. and get my Vitamix going. And, you nice. know, yeah. Crank, you usually listen to heavy metal first thing in the morning, right? Like a little. Always. Who doesn't? For those little, about to rock. Megadeth going. Or... Exactly. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Well, I uh, can't wait to see Sean's new natural lighting. That's yeah. going to be, uh, that's gonna yeah. be something we're all looking forward to. But, uh, this week, you both have been uh, diving deep in the earnings calls for uh, for MedTech. What quarter are we on? We're on Q2, right? I guess it depends on the company. but yeah. Most companies Q2, yeah. Most. But uh, the the reports you've had on Mass Device, you know, companies seem to be doing okay, but investors are like, eh, 
I don't know. Are investors, uh, what, what's the overall take? Are investors being a little cranky? Yes. <laughs> Maybe. You know, I, I'm trying to like channel them a bit. You know, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, they're, yeah, they're definitely, uh, seems to be, it, it kind of reminds me of like being at a restaurant and you're seeing that person who's like, you know, complaining, you know, about the particular type of wine they just got or, you know, there's not enough like rosemary sprinkled on the fries or whatever, you know, that seems to be kind of the, the mood right now, you know, in, in the, you know, when it comes to med tech companies and their earnings reports, like well, there's what, just no, no forgiveness. What were some of the companies uh, that you, you've sort of seen that dynamic happen? Chris, uh, you know, you covered Phillips. Yeah. I mean, Phillips, I mean, they, for their second quarter, they had, you know, 9% year over year sales growth. Um, you know, they, you know, their, uh, you know, net income was, uh, you know, much, you know, much larger than the same quarter a year ago. Um, but, um, you know, they had, uh, they had, you know, some um, decline in comparable order intake. The, uh, you know, Philip CEO Roy Jacobs described it as uh, lumpy, you know, and, you know, because of that, as of today, their their stock is down more than 3% over the past month. I'm still unclear on what lumpy means. How lumpy, does one... I mean, that definitely... Unsteady? I, I have... Just like a non-steady flow? Unsteady kinda. might have been better. Yeah, lumpy, I kind of, you know, kind of, I just think oatmeal. And, yeah. You know, lumpy oatmeal, I mean, I mean, no wonder the stock went down, right? I mean, like, <laughs> you can't, no can't one, put a lot no of value in something lumpy. that's lumpy. Very very few positive things are, are carry the modifier of lumpy. I, I don't want lumpy say. mashed potatoes. Or mattresses, or nothing. Nothing. No, no. no. There's nothing good um, about lumpy. Don't you want to buy this nice lumpy mattress? Like, no, <laughs> no. This new couch is so lumpy. Anyway, all right. Mm, so, yeah. so Phillips, it, it, but but what were some, I mean, the, the 9% was that meeting Wall Street's expectations? Were they expecting more than that? Uh, the growth that was reported? Uh, so are these companies meeting expectations and, and investors just aren't rewarding that success. A lot of companies are, yeah. A lot of companies are, are beating the expectations, but you know the uh, the markets are, you know, saying like, you know, no, we want more. I mean, I mean, like Zimmer Biomet is another good example. They beat the street, yeah. And uh, and Q two, um, they uh, upped their guidance for the year, and um, you know, and they had uh, you know, truest analysts saying that they uh, thought the second quarter results were good, but quote unquote might not be enough on elevated utilization expects so you know so zimmer biomed stock right now is down more than 11 percent over the past month you know after after that and just to be clear we started having this conversation a few days ago uh before fitch issued its downgrade i mean that was we're talking on friday right now and uh you know you know fitch just earlier in the week uh you know announced a downgrade of the u.s credit rating but you know actually that hasn't had much of a fat of effect on the overall overall markets i mean you know like we're you know we're seeing this picking this pickiness over medtech stocks but you know as far as like you know the uh you know the you know what seems to be like a hostage situation every time every time there's a budget negotiation in washington i mean the markets seem to be kind of like yeah 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 we know you know so you know we're you know we're moving on with that for now sean what are any uh any examples stick out in your mind yeah i mean both hologic and baxter are two big companies that 
beat the street, posted seemingly good results, and both saw their stocks declining. And there's a lot of questions. I think a lot of the issue is some of these companies are, you know, looking towards the future and thinking about what's coming next. And the analysts are taking account. Hologic, there's a lot of questions over can they return to a level of normalcy, normalcy post COVID. 19 sales you know they ramped up for diagnostics and now that's clearly and i think a lot of companies that had covid related products are are seeing that and now analysts are questioning that baxter on the other hand you know had a divestiture of its biopharma solutions business which had some questions over the timeline so that the analysts weren't happy about that i haven't seen analysts talking about it yet it was only last night that it came out but Tandem's results, they reset their guidance because they're restructuring some plans around the new insulin pump that just got cleared last month. And you would think investors would be thrilled over, you know, they're ramping up production or they're getting commercial ducks in a row for a new insulin pump and a new market. But their stock was trading 15% down after hours when their results came out because they reset just because they reset their guidance. Uh, I, I don't. Oh, but hey, we're, we're talking now like, you know, Friday morning, though, and uh, now they're oh, up great. 4%. So maybe <laughs> maybe the investors woke up the next morning, you know, and had a, had a cup of coffee and were like, like, oh, yeah. you know, this wasn't so bad. I mean, it's maybe funny. that, maybe funny that to... plays into the whole they're being very fickle. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, you, you were last night writing that up and it was like heading down all that way after hours and then, you know, just, you know, uh, maybe a soothing earnings call, or, you know, like just a good night's sleep was what the investors need, needed to yeah. be a little more forgiving perhaps. Hopefully, hopefully an analyst note comes out about that and I can see maybe there's a little extra in there that caused the turnaround yeah. this morning, but yeah, no, it's uh it's an interesting, like I said, fickle might be a yeah. good word. Yeah. Fickle might be even better than picky or cranky. It's, you know, but yeah. Maybe it's a device talks weekly yeah. uh, weekly bump. Let's let's take credit for it. Yeah, they knew we'd be talking about this. Yeah, we, they knew that I jinxed it in my poor lighting. <laughs> <laughs> it is very bad lighting. So, investors aside, uh, what kind of thing are we? What kind of sense are you getting from the analysts who are call uh, on the calls? Uh, questions that are coming from these companies are there? Is there generally a a feeling that the companies are getting? doing what they need to do to to meet analyst expectations. I know we were talking about the numbers just earlier, but what a, any sense from the tone of the calls? Anything Has anything changed at all? Has it been pretty much run-of-the-mill from what you've had in past quarters? You know, Sean, when I've been listening to it, it's been a lot of like, well, this is, well, this is great. Congratulations on your, on your uh, you know, consensus beating, whatever, you know. But let's drill down into this, you know, know, that that seems to be a lot of like, it's almost like, like, yeah, this is good. Congratulations. Like, what more can you do for us? Like, that seems to be. It's been a lot of, oh, well, these results are, you know, surface level, you know, what's going on, what's going on with the business. Mm -hmm. You know, they're talking about whatever case may be, whether it's regulatory stuff or commercial launches. they they want to drill down to that stuff. They're not really worried about you know a couple cents here and there on your EPS. I think. Yeah. Now. All right. So overall, things are going in the right direction uh, for the most part. Obviously, some companies are having more difficulties than others. Uh, let I me mean, let's focus on that. And and are there any companies that have stumbled this quarter? Um, and the this the Wall Street is 
justifiably dinging them for doing so. Well, definitely like the the lumpy order intake. That definitely uh definitely yeah. was the moment for sure. Um you know, I um I don't know if I'd call it a I'd also like like mention like another another one we didn't mention was um you know, Siemens Health and Nears, you know, they were reporting that they were temporary logistics challenges, you know, over at uh over at Varian. Um, you know, this was about like outbound logistics, you know, order backlogs, you know. So I mean it's kinda of like, oh, oh, you know, this is good overall, big order backlog, right? But they're not getting the orders out enough there. And that they mm-hmm. got they got dinged for for that. I mean, as you know, we we're talking on Friday, like their their stock was down over one percent over the the past month and it's worth noting too that you know just overall i mean the s p 500 is like up one and a half percent so so definitely like we're we're seeing like this this performance that's you know the investors are you know being pick here i mean my my best educated guess might just be that you know medtech uh, you know on top of all the kind of challenges the companies in general are kind of trying to work through like inflation, higher interest rates, supply chain, you know, that, you know, there's also in, in med tech, just this question about the health provider customers and, you know, when, you know, when they're going to, you know, kind of work through their operational challenges. So, so I, I think that might, might be playing into this larger pickiness as, as well, but it um, definitely seemed a lot of the calls. It's, it's like, they're just like, Oh yeah, you know, it's, it's running the car cars run well i mean the car's doing okay you know it's like all right let's let's get this hood up and see what's really going on here see if we can what else you guys can do to what what you all can do there to you know make, make this run even better and kind of like get to the kind of growth that you know like metech was seeing before the pandemic john let's uh let's bring in some good news i know you had a report with dexcom they're more than double their profits on 25 percent sales growth the shares seem to respond positively yeah, right? definitely and that's down to some next gen technology, the G7 launch, I think, yeah. has played directly into that. Abbott, similarly, you know, their overall business was good. Diabetes, specifically, though, uh, Freestyle Libre 3 and Freestyle Libre sales in general. So that, that type of those companies definitely performed very well. Dexcom has good news about, you know, future plans too, as far as where it wants to expand CGMs. Obviously the Medicare decision that kicked in in April that expanded the addressable market for CGMs has contributed there. So while I mentioned Tandem, you know, has struggled with its results, although is evidently having a turnaround on on the market, other diabetes companies, particularly CGM makers are performing pretty well, it seems. You know, the funny thing about Dexcom, Sean, though, is like over the past month now, they're down like nearly 5%. So it's kind of like a, this head scratcher. I mean, the results, I mean, yeah, when I saw Dexcom results too, they were great. And, you know, like initially, like the markets were doing, you know, responding well. And, you know, now we're kind of just, it's like, oh, they're they're down, you know, like Edwards Life Sciences, you know, down, you know, over the past month, um, you know, even... um. I mean, Boston Scientific, you know, I wrote that earnings report and that was like, really felt, felt really, really positive. All those results from Boston Scientific and they're down more than 4% over the past month. I mean, it's just, it just feels fickle, but. Or lumpy or lumpy. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, we got some Uh, good ones though. There are some good, there is some bright spots though we, we can't just like end this like hit me like- hit me well we got yeah, <laughs> a couple of bright spots and then we had the kind of curious one that i wanted to end with which was intuitive which is a company we've been 
obviously proclaiming as the the uh, the the the, the uh, undisputed leader in surgical robotics, but they had a little stumble this time around. Yeah, they but had what, a stumble, which was really. We want to get into the into the bright spots first, and then we'll end with keep we'll keep people's appetite. Do you, well, wet, you know, do you wet I an mean, appetite or do you wet a thirst? Wet an appetite. You wet an appetite. W H E T right? a bomb. A soothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Provide a bomb for people. So what are what are a few of the bright spots and then we'll end with intuitive? Yeah, totally. I mean I mean I thought uh you know, uh integer, um, you know, I mean that was I mean they they blew past expectations and I think that's a good good sign too because they're they're one of the largest, you know, medtech contract manufacturers in, in the world. So the fact that you're seeing, you know, a contract manufacturer supporting all these companies like doing, you know, uh like so well. I think I think that's that bodes well for for the industry, you know, going uh you know, going forward, you know, and uh you know, could could provide more you know, evidence that like overall, like, you know, the medical device industry is kind of moving, you know, past, you know, some of those challenges that we saw earlier in the year. And it was, it, it felt good too, to see, uh, you know, Integer CEO, you know, like talking about saying that they're seeing an improving supply chain and labor environment as, as well for them. So, so I, I just, I, I just think that was, that was great. Um, stock went up a lot on the day they announced this and, you know, they're still up like, you know, nearly, you know, 4% over the, the past month with their stocks. So just that, that's just really good. Another one is iRhythm, which has obviously faced some struggles mm. recently with an FDA warning letter yeah. and the U.S. Justice Department investigation. Uh, they're currently up 19% this morning. They were up after hours yesterday, too. They had more than 20% Fantastic. improvement on sales. And they gave a little update on the FDA stuff saying well, analysts said the update was largely positive. The company received clarification on necessary labeling revisions that would allow its Zio AT to continue marketing as a mobile cardiac telemetry monitor. So that's one sort of success story, I would say, from the quarter, especially for a company that was seemingly facing downward for a bit. Yeah, that would be that would be the company you'd have embattled for before or something like that. It would always carry that kind of that kind of modifier. Well, Chris, how about uh, let's wrap up with Intuitive? Uh, like I said, yeah. we've always kind of we've looked at like J and J and Medtronic and all these other big companies going to come at it with new surgical robotic systems that'll challenge it. But perhaps there's another vulnerability that we hadn't uh, taken into account. Yeah, I mean, you know, at this at this point, like Intuitive stocks down more than seven percent over the past month. And I mean, overall, I mean, it was a good, a good earnings report. They topped the consensus forecast. Uh, yeah, they had the results that I mean, they, they had results that topped the consensus forecast. I mean, they, uh, they, I mean, they, uh, at this point, they're still, you know, not uh, sharing financial outlook for, uh, for the year, but uh I mean, they had a 36.7 bottom line gain, a sales growth of 15.4%. However, uh, you know, they said that the uh, growth rate of robotic-assisted bariatric surgeries had slowed in the U.S. in the second quarter, and uh, that that was enough to, you know, to to you know elicit like a you know a negative response. But that was due to. I was that was what was really interesting is that you know um, you know analysts suggested the decline could be due to um, these uh, you know new popular weight loss drugs that mm-hmm. you know are, are out there that are you know getting touted. We got you know um, hope I'm pronouncing it right, but uh, Wegovy, and then there's Azempic, which is uh, not approved yet for uh, as a weight loss drug, but because it's so related to weight 
Wegovy, uh, there's been, you know, off-label prescribing of it, you know, for uh, for weight loss. Uh, but, you know, these, uh, you know, these new drugs, you know, perhaps will be uh, transient, but they appear to be, you know, providing a headwind for bariatric uh, surgery uh, procedure volumes, which um, I, I thought that makes sense. If there's a drug people are excited about that could, uh, you know, reduce their appetite, you know, so they, uh, they, they lose weight that way, you know, uh, that, 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 that could seem attractive versus, uh, you know, undergoing a surgery. Yeah. Well, I think that would probably be yeah. everyone's first choice is to take a shot or even get an injection. I think some of these are injected, right? Yeah, those drugs are injected. It'll be interesting to see how things play out. I mean, good that metal device companies are, for the most part, meeting expectations. It's worth noting we're, we're talking to, I mean, I've, I've read that the August and the year before a presidential election is always weird. You know, it's, it's, and, you know, and the market's generally kind of like, mm, let's just see huh. what ha- starts yeah. happening in the fall, you know, with, you know, with as, as the campaign wraps up. And I'm sure it's like even, uh, even weirder this time around, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, this is, this is, it's, it's a weird month yes. in, in an possibly weird presidential campaign system season. So, all right. Good stuff, gentlemen. Thanks for, uh, thanks for sharing your thoughts. Good to be here, Tom. Well, Britt Milby Jensen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, and thanks for having me join you today. Oh, my pleasure. We've talked to Ambu a, a few times and are familiar a bit with the story, at least on the single-use endoscope side. I know you do more, and I know that, but single-use endoscope is your primary business. So I definitely want to get into the the business of Ambu in a few minutes. But as always, we'd love to find out about our, our guests first. How did you find your way into the medical device industry? I know that's a, a very good uh, question to start off with. So um, I'm Danish and based in uh, in Denmark, where Ambu is also based. And I've spent uh, over the past 20 years working uh, in healthcare. And it was really after my uh, studies, I have a, an economics uh, business degree. I, I went into consulting for a few years with McKinsey. And that's where I advised in multiple industries, including healthcare. And, and I found the, the healthcare industry interesting because this is where you are able to make a very visible difference for people. So I then left consulting and went into uh, Novo Nordisk, uh, I mean, the large Danish pharmaceutical company, uh, where I spent over 11 years in different global commercial leadership roles, really had a great time there and then moved into other areas in healthcare, into uh, cancer diagnostics, later into back to the drug side in a biotech company. And then I moved um, some years back into uh, into medtech. Are there primary differences between uh, what you were doing in pharma, what you're doing in medtech, or do you feel like it's uh, similar businesses with similar missions? I think the missions are not, I mean, depending on what space you're in, but I think the mission is not too difficult or too different, sorry. And I also think, I mean, the whole purpose of what you do and what gets you up uh, every day and the rewarding part of really being close to uh, the, I mean, the people uh, that you help. I think that goes across all the different areas of healthcare. I I will say that in pharma, of course, it's very different dynamics in terms of the timelines are are much longer for developing new medicines than when you move into medtech. And I think that was something I found very interesting when I moved into medtech to the company Atos Medical, where I was before I joined Ambu, was that, I mean, you have a little more flexibility to do things from the fact that the environment is less regulated. And then still, I mean, you you're able to innovate and 
I mean, bring products faster to, to market compared to farmers. So I think that more dynamic mindset, I think, is our way of working, I think, is, is interesting. That's interesting indeed. Looking at your background, you've been CEO of, of this is your fourth CEO job, is that correct? Yeah, it's it's uh, the fourth CEO role, and you can say the third if uh, you calculate fully independent companies. Uh, I left Novo Nordisk uh, just over 10 years ago and moved into cancer diagnostics to lead a Danish-based company, Darko, that had just been acquired by Agilent. So I was okay. working as part of Agilent, and then I was there for some time and was then offered to lead a public biotech company, Sealand Pharma, which... Um, was then my first, you can say, real CEO role in an independent company. Was being CEO something you had planned on or worked toward? I imagine it's always in the back of your mind being an, an executive in a, at a company. But uh, was it something that you had built into your plan? I think I've not really had, a, I mean, a very clear career plan, <laughs> I have to say. I've, I, I think I've been driven a lot uh, throughout my career by uh, the opportunities that there has been and then my focus has really been to make a difference in the jobs that I've had and that has then led to different roles but but I have to say I think when I was asked about this position to be the CEO and of a fully independent company I, I thought that was very intriguing in, in many ways because I think I could use my learnings from many years in the healthcare industry and many years as a leader in a bigger organization to to really I mean, set uh, the agenda and, and, and also the w way of working and really create a company where it's about, of course, the results you create for your customers. It's about financial results, but it's also very much about the culture you have in the company and how you work. And I think that's, I mean, I'm very interested in, in leadership and also have quite strong views about how I think companies uh, should be led and what I find effective. So being able to do, I mean, to lead that, I think was a great uh, honor and, and very rewarding. Do you have for every company you've been CEO at, do you have sort of a set of guidelines, a credo or something that you think applies equally to each company or is each company like a different person and you need to, you need to interact with them differently? Yeah, that's a good question. And and I think, I mean, as a person, I'm I'm very true to my own values. And I think I'm I'm a very curious person. So I think in every job I, I'm in, I, I'm very curious to learn and to develop. And I think the things that you learn in one company you bring with you, but then you move to a new company, which is a new situation and, and also a new business channel or or a different business challenge. And I think I I leverage what I've learned from my past career and then uh, bring that into a new situation. And, and then I'm very focused also uh, uh, that it's not only about me, but it's about the whole organization, starting with the executive leadership team. So I'm very focused on building a strong leadership team that collaborates well and engages well. And, and, and that's really where I also, I don't think I have the answers to everything myself, but I think it's also about having a leadership team where you then build, I mean, on the values of the and the heritage of the company, but also set, I mean, a joint set of values and, and way of working. So so I would say it's, I mean, I think that's what I do, but, but very much looking at the situation that um, uh, the company is in and uh, the different, the task uh, that you are in to solve. Well, let's talk about your current opportunity. You were on the board of directors at Ambu prior to taking the role of CEO. Why did you take the CEO role? What were the opportunities you saw? And give it, give me a sense of where the company was when you when you took over. Yeah, so so I was on the board of Ambu for 
around two and a half years before being the CEO. And, and at, at the same time, I, I was leading a, a Swedish-based private equity-owned um, medtech company, Atos Medical. And, and we sold that company to Koloplast, a successful Danish medtech company. And then I was ready to take another role and, and in, or, or actually first to take a break to really understand what I wanted to do uh, as a next step in my career, as I had been moving very much from one opportunity to the next. Then being on the board of AMBU, uh, I mean, we were at that time when I was on the board through a very exciting journey where we increased our investments a lot into the field of single-use endoscopy. And also, uh, I mean, we're facing a, a situation where we underestimated some of the time it took for our customers to adopt a new way of working. So this was really where we were in a situation where we saw challenges with declining profitability and, and we were not able to meet our revenue targets that we had put out to, to the street. So, so it was around that time the chairman asked if I wanted to join the company. And, and I was really and, and continue to be very excited about the potential we have a, as a company, having really proven that we are able to move into a new area and change the paradigm, working closely with our customers. So, so I thought that was an interesting opportunity and that we had only just gotten started. So there was a lot more potential. And then I could also see that uh, some of my experience uh, fitted very well into some of the challenges that we had also i mean both in terms of getting the financial situation back on on track as well as also getting investor credibility back which had of course uh, suffered as we were not delivering on our own promises so i think this was some of the things that attracted me but first and foremost i think when you're in this industry i think most people are very focused on the difference you make for the customers and and also the ability you are able to continue to do that better. So, so I think that was what I, I was really intrigued by and, and our product portfolio that we had invested a lot in the recent years and really advanced our portfolio to be very strong. So let's talk about, about the company a bit. I know it primarily is a single-use endoscope business and you're, I think, the largest provider of that in the world. And we can get into that in a moment. But give me, if you would, just an overview of Ambu. Is there, is there much more to the story than that? What am, what am I missing, if anything? Yeah, no, that's a good question. So we are actually a company that were founded in 1937 here in uh, in Denmark, where we still um, have our headquarters. So we are a company with a strong uh, legacy and, and really rooted in developing innovative solutions together with our customers that have been groundbreaking. The first areas we were in were anesthesia, where one of the first inventions we had was the Ambu bag that is still widely used in hospitals around the world. So that was at that time the world's first self-inflating ventilation bag and, and really an important step at the time. And this is many decades ago in emergency uh, medical equipment. Um, that's that's then, the iconic mask over your mouth, push, squeezing the bag to get exactly, air in and exactly. out. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so that, I mean, it has been uh, changed a bit, but this was launched some 60 years ago. So that's actually fascinating how we are still very well known for that today. Then we were the first to make a single, to develop a single use endoscope that we launched uh, a bronchoscope back in 2009. And that was really where that whole growth journey started on the uh, single use endoscopy. Today, we have just over half of our revenue is in single-use endoscopy. And then the other, also with slower growth, part of the business is the anesthesia and patient monitoring. 
but since then, I mean, it took a, a number of years and it was really only the third generation where we started to see a very strong traction with our bronchoscope. And, and then since then, I mean, today we are, um, we are leading in single-use endoscopy. And in the past couple of years, we then expanded into new areas only in the past four or five years into uh, ENT, urology and, and GI. So segments where we are really building on the strong technology platform and understanding we have of single-use endoscopy, but addressing customers that have very different needs. So, so that has been an exciting journey that we have been on in, in really working with customers, for example, in the field of urology, where nobody knew who AMBU was four years ago. And today we are very well known and see high growth. So I think the, the way that we have been really driven by our innovation and new technology expanding into new therapy areas has been very interesting. And, and that's also, you can say, when we look ahead, where our focus is that we have, compared to many other companies in a short period of time, expanded into a, a number of new customer segments. With our new Zoom-in strategy, it's all about really focus and execution. So our so right now, doing making sure that we really focus in on all the segments that we're in to do a, a good job and then also focus on how we execute because we have had a couple of years where things have really moved fast. I don't know if you said this or not, but you said so two, 2009 was when you came out with the first single-use scope. Were you the first to come out with it or were there others out as well? Yeah, we, we were the first and we have for many years been alone in the field. So we were the first yeah. to come out with the single-use endoscope. This was a bronchoscope where you can say uh, in, in the past couple of years, we have seen a number of new companies entering the field. And, and I think that's, uh, I mean, only as expected as you develop a new category and you're successful establishing that, that does attract the competition. And I'd also say if we look at the overall endoscopy market, so worldwide, there are around 200 million annual procedures using an endoscope. And if we look at the markets that, I mean, that, that we are focusing on, it's around 100 million. And and of those, it's around two and a half million, roughly, procedures that are done with a single-use endoscope, either with one of ours, and that's the most part, or one of the other players. And, and that's, of course, also demonstrating how the potential to expand further is huge. I know you weren't with the company at the time, but I'm sure you've got the institutional memory of that's a pretty bold step to go single-use. I mean, intuitively, it seems like a, a natural step talking with someone recently about when he was a child in the 40s, he talked about reusable needles and syringes. And you hear that now, you're like, ah, I can't believe they, they reuse those. I don't know if we'll ever get that with scopes. But do you know, what were the pain points that led Ambu to develop that concept? Have those pain points, have they gotten better? Have they gotten worse? What, what does it look like going forward? But let's go back to the beginning. Do you have a sense of what led to that, that innovation? Yeah, so I, I mean, we were leading and and very close to customers in in anesthesia and uh, in the ICU uh, department. So that was really where that came from our other portfolio, and that we then, I mean, the customers were looking for a solution that they would have uh, ready at hand when a patient came in. So that was really how it started, and then you can say then our products have become much more advanced and sophisticated uh, ever since then. There has been a number of things driving this, and I think it is a little bit different today. And also, it's even slightly different when you look at the different segments that that we are in. But this is, I mean, a lot about the. I mean, there's something around the in focus on 
infections through the scope that has driven the conversion to single use in some segments. But, but otherwise, what we see today in the hospitals is very much, I mean, the fact that with reusable scopes, you need to wait for a scope. You cannot be sure that there's a scope available when you need it because it can either be in use or being reprocessed or repaired. And, and then there is also, I mean, clear evidence that there's, I mean, that leads then to rescheduling or cancelling of uh, of appointments, which is not, you can say, ideal when you have a patient in a sometimes life-threatening situation where a scope is required but not, not available. So, so it, it's really where you can say our focus is to make sure that we can then change that paradigm for customers by not having to wait to clean and so on. And then, so, so they have an opportunity to treat more patients. And then also today where, I mean, many hospitals are, are challenged by not having sufficient staff. I mean, you don't have need to have people on call to clean the scope. So, so that's something that uh, we see create uh, a better workflow and, and flexibility. And then there's the whole economics around that for some uh, departments seeing that, I mean, you don't have to invest in a, a lot of capital equipment. It's a much simpler uh, setup. Do you have? I suppose the other the other aspect is also the the sterilization process, the concerns over the environmental ramifications of sterilization that we're becoming more and more aware of. Is is that playing into things as well? Because I mean, it just on one hand you could see the reusable thing creating a new waste stream that wasn't there previously. On the other hand, if you're offsetting that, the impact of that by not using chemicals that have been found to be well dangerous. I don't know if it offsets that or if there's one clear benefit or another. How do you, does the environmental aspect play into your strategy as well? Yeah, it, it does play into our strategy a lot. And, and it's it's one of the key parameters in our strategy uh, is sustainability. And, and I mean, also being a Scandinavian company, we have, uh, I mean, we have a strong focus here. And I'd say, I mean, we, we have invested a, a lot in sustainability over the past couple of years. And we, we do have a, in multiple of the sustainability indices, we, we rank quite high and, and, and higher than, uh, for example, in we have an AA rating in the MSCI, which is one of the key uh, ratings. So, so, so this we are happy with, but we are really also very focused on the fact that we are a single-use company, that we continue to do a better job with the material that we use, the packaging, how we transport our products. And, and then more and more of our customers are, being focused on this and doing studies where they also show that this is actually in some cases either it's the same or even better than using a reusable for, for some of the reasons that you just mentioned around the whole use of chemicals for the reprocessing. And also if you then also count in some of the logistics and transport around repairs and, and so on. So, so there's definitely a, for us a strong focus on sustainability and, and that we continue to be very focused on so we can still provide single-use products uh, uh, in a way that is more sustainable. Mm-hmm. How is it being the the market leader in this space? What are the benefits of that? And, and, you're, and you're getting competition, of course, from larger companies, but some smaller startups as well of developing their own technology. How are you differentiating yourselves or how do your sales teams differentiate your products from, from others? Is it price? Is it functionality? I imagine it's a combination of both, but What's the strategy there? Mm, yeah, so so I mean, we we were the first in in the single use endoscopy field, and are still uh, the world leaders in single use endoscopy. So so that's of course, I mean, that has been an exciting journey, and also because we have been out creating 
uh, a market and opening our I mean customers' eyes to the great benefits in in the new ways of working that that comes with that and having new routines and better routines in in the hospitals. So I think this whole pioneering role that has been interesting and also has been a way to work very close with the customers, although you can say in some areas, I mean, things have not moved as fast as we have looked to. So so we have in many ways paved the way, I would say, for a paradigm shift. And that, of course, as we talked about before, that leads then to competition and and I think in many ways, I mean, we, we do have great companies out there that are also coming out with uh, new great products. And, and, and then you can say, our, I mean, the benefit we have from being in this field for a long time is, of course, we have been able to create scale in the, in the way that we operate. But we have also been able to really get close to our customers, really understanding their needs uh, and understanding what uh, how you sell uh, single-use uh, endoscopes and and build relationships in in different areas but of course also you can say a challenge is of course that building relationships takes time and and that's as we have moved into a number of new segments that is still something that is a, a strong focus for us in in some of the the new segments but i think it is for a company like ambu that is uh, with our size i think it's it's good for us to have more companies with single-use endoscopes that can help bring attention to the benefits uh, of our customers there. So I would say overall, I think it's it's great to see that other companies are seeing the potential here. And final question, where do you see growth for the future for Ambu? Is it doubling down on single-use endoscopes, expanding the portfolio of this, or is it moving into adjacent or even non-adjacent markets? How, how does the future look? I know you're a publicly traded company, so you're not going to give me... All the state <laughs> secrets, but uh, no. broadly, the broad guidelines, what are you looking at? Yeah, but but I, I would say our focus is very much and has, I mean, since we were founded, been to be close to the customers and understanding their uh, real needs. And that is what we will continue to do and have that focus as we innovate. Then, then I'd say, in, as we talked about, in the past couple of years, we have invested a lot in innovation. So if we look at the future, we still have a very exciting portfolio and continue to be able to invest having a more focused approach and, and really making sure that we can be out there with our our customers in the segments that we're in now and then gradually expand our portfolio to fulfill their needs that's very much our focus we are investing significantly more in the endoscopy field compared to anesthesia and patient monitoring which are really areas where in general i mean we we have a lot of colleagues who focus there and, and we continue to also improve our offering there. But but there's more innovation happening in the endoscopy field. And that's also where our main focus is when it comes to investing in new innovation. If I were given the opportunity to walk through your, your R&D labs and see what's coming up in five or 10 years, is it mind blowing or are you merely like improving the imaging and, and it's just going to be more just kind of better of what you currently do? Or do you anticipate someday being able to do things that you cannot currently do with a single-use endoscope? I think we, I mean, based on, on the offering we have and the difference we make for our customers, I mean, we, we continue to challenge ourselves, understanding the customer's need and come out with new and greater things. And that's what I also think we should. And, and also as technology is, uh, is developing rapidly, I mean, that has, of course, been, if we look at where we are now compared to when we started in the single-use endoscopy, it's clear that some of the new technologies are bringing opportunities that we are also 
looking into and, and focusing on. So so I think we have a great opportunities and, and a strong platform to build on and that we should be able to fulfill customer needs and help our customers uh, for many years uh, to come. Fantastic. Well, Britt Milby-Jensen, it was a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. And thanks for the opportunity. All right. Well, that is a wrap. Chris Newmarker, you're out there in social media land. Where can folks find you? Hey, just find me on LinkedIn, Chris Newmarker, like a new marker. Sean Hooley, where are you? And, and, And take a moment, please, to plug your fabulous Fast Five podcast. Happy to. First, you can find me on LinkedIn, Sean, S-E-A-N, Hooley, W-H-O-O-L-E-Y. And yeah, please tune into the Fast Five, four episodes a week. They release Tuesday through Friday, every morning. Myself and senior editor, Danielle Kirsch, discuss the news of the day, basically. Five, we pick five stories, break down a few of the important details from them, you know, what, what you can take away from them. And they range from the earnings stories to regulatory to everything in between. So plenty to break down. It's a nice little quick, quick jolt for your commute, learning about the news of the day. Yeah. And it encourages you to learn more on mass device. If you so choose. And you, got, you guys don't, you don't horse around like we do here. You yeah. are, yeah. you are professionals. You are like in and out. You don't waste anybody's time. Uh, how is it, how is putting that together kind of helped you as a reporter? I have to imagine like just to put the hour or two into formulating your thoughts, reporting your stories, you know, having things to talk about. It must, is it, is it kind of solidifying your, your analysis, your takes on the medical device industry? It's definitely allowing me to form more of an understanding about why things happened and how, how they yeah. sort of play out. And it's also, you know, Sometimes you get so lost in trying to just achieve or accomplish what you need to accomplish for the day that, you know, I might miss one of Chris's earnings stories yeah. or something like that. And so if you mm-hmm. know, having to actually go back and read our website, it's becoming quite informative when I, you know, occasionally miss <laughs> some things and I'm not afraid, not ashamed to so. admit that I do miss some things. So it, it, learning more yeah. for sure. There's a lot of news up there for sure. All right. Well, I'm on LinkedIn, Tom, S-A-L-E-M-I. Please uh, connect with me. Please, what do you want folks to do with this podcast and with Fast Five, Chris? You got to like, follow, subscribe. That's right. You got to like, follow, and subscribe to the Device Talks Podcast Network to get Device Talks Weekly, Intuitive Talks, Boston Scientific Talks, Abbott Talks, Striker Talks. And you have to subscribe separately to get Fast Five. But we're both on the uh, on every podcast application. And uh, yeah, so you can you can get many different types of uh, great med tech analysis uh, through podcasts. So do that, please. Uh, share this episode on social media. Connect with Sean, Chris, and myself so we can be a part of that conversation. And uh, please follow, uh, like, follow, or subscribe the our LinkedIn groups, Mass Devices page, Device Talks page. We've got lots of great content up there. Uh, sends it right to your your feed. So we don't miss a story because uh, as Sean indicated, smorgasbord of, of content. And I, and I just say like, if you're really busy, I mean, um, you know, Sean and, and Danielle, they, they are doing just like this, this fantastic job, just, you know, like, you know, just, just getting in there and out and, you know, just like bang, bang, bang. Here's the top, 
top news that's been on you know mass device over the past Absolutely. 24 hours so i mean you just you can just like you know play that on the on the on the drive to the office or running on the treadmill at, you know on the gym or you know the peloton at home whatnot you know just uh or, or play it on a loop and just listen to it the entire time you're sleeping it'll just get absorbed in your brain and you'll just be a med tech automaton <laughs> The, the smooth jazz <laughs> rhythms of that opener that Danielle picked for the, the That podcast. is a damn catchy tune. Eh? I've had that in my like head it. more I than once. I'm like, damn it. that podcast. I can't stay. Humming it while I'm I've like, got a you know. in my step because of that damn podcast. That's all we aspire to do. That's all we aspire to do. <laughs> well, you're doing a great job. <laughs> That's right. And uh, finally, of course, Device Talks West is happening October 18th and 19th at the Santa Clara Convention Center. We'll be talking to a lot of these companies. We'll be talking with Dave Rosa, uh, new president of Intuitive, and we'll certainly ask about uh, the pressures coming from the bariatric surgery drugs, uh, or the, the weight loss drugs, the impact that's having a bariatric surgery but we'll have Abbott there. Many of the companies we've talked to today will have there uh, as well, talking yeah. about different things, but important things. So go to devicetalks.com yeah. to find our podcasts and to uh, make sure you register for the Device Talks West event. Again, October 18th and 19th in Santa Clara, and you need to register within the next couple of weeks to take advantage of our ridiculously generous early bird rate and you attend this fantastic two-day conference for only th- for less than $400 for 395 dollars i know right wow it's unheard of this is like 1998 prices it's a steal it's insane we are yeah. insane crazy tom salemi giving you medical device con- content for low low prices <laughs> insane in the membrane <laughs> all right everybody thanks for joining us on this episode of the device talks <laughs> weekly podcast thanks guys Hey, enjoy the summer, everybody. Stay, Minnesota State Fair, just a few weeks away. Woo!